Hi, this is Ted Sikora, creator of Apama, the undiscovered animal and tap dance killer. Apama is about an ice cream truck driver in Cleveland who unlocks the spirit force of the most savage beast mankind has never known. And tap dance killer is about a mega talented actress who takes on the role of the tap dance killer but can't shake it and starts taking on the mafia. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Sweet and sultry. Love it. Same as it ever was, right? Today's a day just like any other day. Thursday. It's, right. it's, it's, I mean, it would have been the day after New Comic Book Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so welcome to our vault. Yeah, I don't worry about New Comic Book Day. Read something from the library. What? I don't worry about New Comic Book Day ever. I don't I mean, I'm I got somebody so that covers that for me. I'm not. Yeah, that's true. Probably not the best night to start off by saying we don't care about free comic book day. No, <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Like I don't sweat it. I don't sweat it because no, we, got, we got somebody in our corner. That's right. Every month. Yep. Boom. Doorbell. For some of us, yeah. Okay. Humble brag. Relax. <laughs> I, I can't fathom getting my box weekly. I just that would be no, no. I can't well, do it. His like yeah. a postal card. I mean, Can you imagine if he got it once a month? It would be like Christmas, one day every month. But no, he's got to spread it out on this. The, the funny thing the FedEx is that, drivers uh, and the caps and everything. The kids are convinced that previews comes out every week because <laughs> every time I get, like you said, I get a box every week. But then when previews comes, I'm like, oh snap, it's previews, everybody, and I pull it out and I show them, and they're they're convinced that it comes every week because that's the only thing they remember is how excited I get for previews. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how kids just like skew the truth. Nina thinks we record like five times a week. She's like, oh, she's like, dad's, I do. Yeah. She's like, oh, dad's recording again. I'm like, Nina, we only do it like twice at the most a week. Damn kids. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Hey, everybody. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 664. And I'm that bitch, Carol Baskin. (laughs) Good Lord. No. I'm not. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I love that show. I'm Vince B. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. I am David A. Price. I'm I'm verklempt over here because Vince yeah. stole my bit. <laughs> that is ridiculous. No, I guess, sorry. I guess I'm just Jason Wood. <laughs> no, you can be someone else. Be someone else, please. Uh, okay, I'm going to be the Statue of Liberty. You're uh, Statue, of Statue of Liberty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, you're not the Statue of Liberty. You are Jason Wood. You're almost as tall, though. Uh, well, I yeah. don't know about that, but uh, yeah. Well, you really tower tall. over me. Well, yeah, that's true. That's not saying much, though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, well, and six, five, eleven, something like that. I'm, I'm almost six. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do your job, Jason. Well, if by my job you mean uh, it's. It's my great honor to introduce our guest this evening, and it is someone that um, I would bet, I mean, I haven't officially tallied this, but I would bet we have mentioned her name, like, if not the most ever, right up on the short list of the most, like, we've mentioned her name more than any other person in comics' name over... Probably second to Chap, but yeah. Maybe Chap Yap is first, yeah, yeah and then she would be second. Yeah. Um, she is, is, a, is, a, is a friend. She's also, uh, through... 
her and her husband's amazing company are uh, our only and longest standing sponsor. Uh, and uh, but many more than that, she's she is the co-founder of a little company you all have heard us talk about many many times, DCB Service, along with uh, their sister company, In Stock Trades, and. What I, I'm not sure if you all know is she is, uh, unless unless the term has ended, I believe she is still the president of the CBLDF as well, which is pretty cool and something we can talk about. Uh, I am, of course, talking about our good friend, sponsor, and one of the most powerful people in comics retailing, Miss Christina Merkler. What's up? Hi, guys. How you doing? I don't know about most powerful, but yeah. Oh, please. You are the um, ogre yeah, of am. comics. I am. I might be one of the most powerful women in comics. That's that. It, we could probably clarify it. Not the most, but up there with with some other very uh, wonderful women. But um, yes, I am still the president of the board of the CBLDF. And I can tell you that through all of this nightmarishness, I don't know if you all received their newsletters or uh, follow them on Twitter or Facebook. They have some incredible information out there for people um, just to get through this time. Uh, whether you are a creator, whether you are a publisher, uh, self-employed, uh, retailers, etc., they have um, an incredible knowledge. They have actually a chart that they just put up this week. Uh, if you are a W-2 employee, this is what you do. This, these are the things that you do and have available to you through government programs. Um, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. The team mobilized so quickly and got the information out faster than anyone else in the industry. So I, I'm really impressed with the team. They're doing a great job. Awesome. Awesome. It's weird because we, we've known you for so long. We've known you since before the show started. And, uh, Oh, yeah. and, and and yet you know you're it's uh it, it's it's your first official time as a guest on the show so um yeah i know it's crazy cuz i i mean i've listened for years i um like even though we're friends and we see each other when we can um i, I can't believe i've never been on the show before it's weird yeah well a, a wrong has been like righted yes. cuz you talk about me enough yeah that's, that's right true. that's yes. right yeah. you're always here in spirit <laughs> that's right that's right that's right so, producer, how do you want to you want to just jump in here? What do you want to do? I mean, because it's it, we have a lot of angles we can go here. As we say, we Christ, Christina has perspectives on many things, and particularly at a time like this. But uh, I don't know if, if if you guys want to just like jump into it. How do you want to? I don't know how you want to approach it tonight. Well, before so we do that, pieces. right? Yeah. Didn't you say we were going to revive the drink roll call for this episode? I think it would only be appropriate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, well, I, why don't we I do la be, ladies yeah. first? Why don't we ask yeah. our guest what she's yeah. drinking? I am drinking Breckenridge bourbon on the rocks. Nice. Very nice. So um, okay. I did the bourbon tour in Louisville a few years ago. And a person who worked for me before we moved to Memphis and moved back um, is also a fan of bourbon. And he bought this for my birthday last year. He was in Colorado and did the tour at Breckenridge. And actually, it is one of the finer bourbons, even though it's made in Colorado. And not in Kentucky. That's all you and Dad. That's all you tasty. too. That's true. Yep. That's true. Well, yeah, I actually awesome. am a gin drinker by oh. nature. So, but but I do I do like a good bourbon. And this last week has felt like a month, so I figured it would only be yeah. good to have a bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> true. Absolutely, absolute facts. Uh, yeah, no, I um 
I, I had a feeling bourbon was going to be sipped tonight, so I decided to uh, pour myself some Westchester 914 bourbon uh, on a nice big old square cube. Okay, okay. Um, I'm not going to keep this bourbon train rolling. I don't have no, bourbon. of course not. No, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but Even I do if have... you did. You... <laughs> you yeah, it, it would be like a sip, and then I would put it aside. Uh, it is a Guinness Draft Stout in a can with a nice, oh, little, nice little nitrous capsule. You know, you pop the can, just get the nitrous. So I have two of these cans sitting here ready to uh, enjoy. Vince, what you got? Great. Well, I'm drinking coffee. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm drinking coffee, but it's it's the good stuff. It's the David Lynch coffee. So I was in the mood for, for some coffee, and I said, well, I can't just have regular coffee. I got to pull out the good stuff because we have a guest, so I am drinking the David Lynch coffee. <laughs> uh, is, I am I supposed to know what that is? I don't know what that is. You don't know? So, you know who David Lynch is, right? Yeah. But what, I, I he makes really coffee. He, yeah, he makes coffee. He has, yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it's damn, awesome. And fine coffee, I'm sure. It's damn good coffee. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, did you miss the memo where we were doing the drink roll call tonight? Or no, I just thought I would. It, this is just as special <laughs> as what you got, Guinness. Oh, okay. Cool. Don't you think? Uh totally. Right. David Lynch trumps yeah. Guinness. Nice. To okay. Each his own. Right. Yeah, oh, I love right. that. See, you should be around more often because they chastise me all the time. <laughs> yeah. They who? <laughs> I know. I That's remember right. when. Wasn't it you, Vince, who always used to drink the Diet Dr. Pepper? That was, uh, no, that was Jason with the Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Vince was the Pepsi Max. I was Pepsi Max. Diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't bring that up anymore because it gets groans and grunts and they all act like children. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think we should. uh, I was trying to put myself in your shoes. This past oh, month, and and yeah. I thought, man, what would it? It must have been like at at the shop this week. And I'm thinking, well, now we have the lug this week, this month. We have the luxury of actually having you here. So, what was the past past month like? I mean, we're in uncharted well, waters. What do you do? Right. Well, ironically, my team was sick two months ago. So. Uh, two months ago, everybody in the in the in the place had something, and they just passed it to each other. Ugh. So they all had this the similar symptoms that you're seeing from coronavirus right now. Actually, my son-in-law uh, is my assistant. My our oldest daughter runs our warehouse, the DC Gas warehouse, and um, he got so violently ill. It was about two months ago. And missed almost an entire week of work. He doesn't miss an hour of work, let alone a week. Wow. And so we had a tough time. Um, we were, when we went into month end, which is always our busiest week, I, there was not a day I didn't have two or three people off the team. And I have a small but mighty team. So it really, I mean, it was a very long week. It was a very long week, and we were behind by the time we hit the next week. And then all of a sudden, about a week later is when, the coronavirus really hit. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, this is, and all of my team was healthy. So once that happened, I gave them that Friday off. And then I brought in only a couple of healthy employees that I felt were like super, you know, like they were all good. And um, we scoured the entire warehouse. 
top to bottom. Mopped every surface, wiped every surface down. Literally, we use bins, right? Um, they pick, they put them in a bin, and then it goes into a red bin that says it's not ready, whether it needs to be bagged or boarded or bundled with a taping machine. Um, and then it goes into a blue bin, and then if it needs to be bubble wrapped, then it goes into a green bin. And we have hundreds of them. And we literally took Lysol wipes and wiped every single one of them out. Wow, that's a um, lot of surfaces. Cubby, yeah, every cubby, every surface, every all the bathrooms were scoured, you know, the whole thing. And I gave them that three-day weekend so they could rest to be ready for, you know, that next week. And so far, we've had a very healthy team. Um, so really nothing changed much um, until the diamond shutdown. Um, that is when kind of all hell broke loose. And, um, you know, you all know Cameron well enough to know that he's not a big talker. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, we this have is true. have been married for tw over 28 years now. I think I've talked to him more in the last week than I have our entire marriage. <laughs> Jeez, it is, okay. it, it is I, like I'm joking with him about it. I'm like, we're talking to each other more than we have because it's like, Every 15 minutes, we're calling each other because, you know, he's still in Memphis and he's running inspectorates down there and I'm running DCBS up here. And it's every 15 minutes, there's some other bomb that goes off. And there are tons of bombs that have gone off that I can't even talk to you about. Um, we, there's one thing about us that you'll always know is you're never going to get, you're never going to see a quote from us on a bleeding cool site. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we're not going to do that because, well, we have integrity. And um, nice. we also just, we don't, we don't like to work in rumors, right? Uh, Cameron is a very fact-based person. I'm a very fact-based person. Um, and we're always trying to look for a solution. And it seems like Bleeding Cool just tends to perpetuate, you know, the, the doom and gloom. And now it is, there is literal doom and gloom, which makes it even worse, right? Right. Um, so there have been many, not tons but several occasions where rich has reached out to us and we have either said no we're not answering that or we've just completely ignored it um because it, i just we don't we don't think that it's our place it's our place to sell comics to as many people as we can and and that's what we want to do um i was in talks with diamond i knew when the plattsburgh warehouse shut down um because i i feel like this sounds terrible, but I feel like Varys, you know, on Game of Thrones. I have all these little birds that tell me things. Like, I'll get texts, and they'll be like, hey, you didn't hear this from me. Um, and I'll be like, oh, shit. You know, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Like, you know, right. and so I at least have a, it can come up with a plan. And so that's what Cameron and I have been doing literally for the last 10 days. So I found out about Plattsburgh shutting down. So I immediately texted my contact at Diamond. And, and I when you say, I think you're, that's the name of their main, is that where you're, that's the name of their main okay. distribution? Yeah. So I'm sorry. I'm talking, I like, like everyone knows, you know, our, our speech. Oh, no right? worries. Yeah. yeah. It, no. Cause, and because, you know, like retailers have their own language too. Sure. So, um, so they, Diamond has two warehouses. Uh, they have a warehouse in Plattsburgh, New York, and then they have a warehouse in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Years ago, they had a, they had a warehouse in Sparta, Illinois. But even when we opened the business t almost 21 years ago now, we were a Plattsburgh uh, customer. So it was great because Plattsburgh was always, you know, they were solid. They, they were pretty consistent in packing and accuracy, yada, yada. 
so when we decided to move Insect Trades down to Olive Branch, they did switch us to Olive Branch. And Olive Branch has always had kind of their problems, right? Um, to be honest, I, I lived in Memphis for a year. I know what those problems are. I mean, it's just hard to get good staff down there. It's a warehouse city. You're constantly competing against the FedExes and the Williams Sonomas and the Nikes and the Disneys and, you know, for good, for good staff. Um, so when they were in, when they went to Memphis, you know, about two or three years ago, they invested $10 million into that facility to make it more efficient, to, you know, like really bring it up. I, just, I don't know that that was the best plan personally, um, because I don't think they should be in Memphis. That, that's my personal opinion. So Plattsburgh, you know, when New York shut down, Plattsburgh could have stayed open potentially as a distribution center and, you know, kind of foggy, but they still could have, but they did shut down. So my contact at Diamond tells me, hey, we're going to truck that stuff down to Olive Branch. It's going to be late, but we're going to fulfill. You know, we're going to go ahead and fulfill 4-1 releases. So I'm relieved, right? Because I'm thinking I, I have 4,400 customers who want their books, right? And... uh then this was on Saturday. Then on Monday, the announcement comes that they're shutting down. And then you have to rethink everything, right? You're like, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for the month-end customers? What are we going to do for we- weekly customers, twice-a-month customers? And when I get on the phone again, okay, what's the plan? You know, and then we have to analyze what we have in stock and what's in, in, in open invoices and, um, you know, it's, and try to figure out how we can communicate this to customers, but without really having an idea of what's really, what this means, right? I mean, no one knows. Diamond said literally indefinitely. So how do you communicate that? You feel kind of like an idiot because you, you want to be able to give people the right answers and you can't because the people that need to give you the answers are the very people who aren't giving you the answers. Um, and then we're hearing about a printer shutdown and then we're calling Marvel in DC and saying, is this true? And can you get it to us another way? I mean, anyway, right. Um, and they're saying, no, they're, they're in the diamond warehouse. Um, so that's, that was my Monday a week ago. That feels like a month ago. Yeah. I mean, you know, our first reaction when we heard the news, I mean, aside from shock, obviously, um, uh-huh. uh, was just intuitive, like, well, it's this isn't good news for any comics retailer, but at least DCBS, at least your mail order, right? And and at least you have scale. So, like, if there is a solve, you guys are going to have access to a solve. But uh, and I know I reached out to you that day to see how you're doing and stuff. But um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, so, so now that we're a week into it, and and four one has come and gone, I mean. I'm sure you've been in constant contact with the publishers and, and diamond. I mean, from your perspective, um, is there any reason to, to like, do you, do you have any window as to what diamonds plan is or, or is it effectively like many businesses across the world just shut down until further notice? Well, you know, that's funny because, um, diamond is not telling us. I mean, they're just basically saying, uh, you know, we don't know. We're going to wait it out and see. Uh, but the problem with that is that Penguin Random House is shipping. Their warehouses are shipping. They're shipping to book market. And 
Hachette is shipping Marvel book market product. So that's it's troublesome, right? Because now Diamond isn't shipping product, and they seem to be, and I, I could be incorrect about this, but they seem to be the book market seller that is the or distributor that's the only one that's not running. Mm. So the problem is, and I'll, I'll be, you know, I, I'm a retailer who is running, so I want my product. And, and I'm not the only one. There are many retailers out there. Unfortunately, the loudest voices in the retail community right now are saying, shut everything down, and those happen to be the retailers that are shut down right now. And I'm going to use this analogy that everyone has heard from me in the last two days, and if my staff hears it one more time, they're probably going to strangle me. <laughs> if you have 100 children and 50 of those children cannot eat because they're ill, you still feed the other 50 children. And then you figure out how to get a feeding tube into the other 50 to help them survive it, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But you don't just starve the 100 children. So as much as retailers, and I understand it, it is no fault of their own. But really, the retail market, so you're supposed to sacrifice the entire industry over the 50%. Mm. I, I don't agree with that. But that's not my call to make, so it doesn't matter, right? Right. But I don't, I don't think it's the right move. It, and I, I don't know the inner workings of Diamond and why they shut down. I know that the printer was a thing, but I know that there were other, the, the main publishers, DC, Marvel, and Image had printers that they, they had product. So, you know, I, we, you, but they can't force Diamond's hand. Diamond is doing what they feel is right for their employees. And it could possibly be that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the complex. I mean, this is a, you know, obviously we're a comics podcast, you're a comics retailer, so we're focused on the comics industry. But this is really a microcosm of, of what's happening across the, the globe in just about every business, right? There are, there are just a lot of, right. uh, w once you stop the perpetual motion machine and the supply chain starts getting chinks, it, it just has ripple effects, many of which were unintended or un unexpected. Um, so I, I guess, you know, the one thing you said that, that, that I, the position of, of the, of the 50 kids that are hungry, I think that's a good analogy, but I guess I viewed it a little differently in the sense that I didn't get the sense that like, in other words, I didn't get the sense that diamond closed because a lot of retailers are closed and would rather not have a bill to pay. I got the sense that diamond closed and normally that would be devastating, but a lot of the stores that are already closed said, well, I'm closed anyway, so I guess it's not that big a deal for us. Like, do, do I have that wrong? I mean, I, I got it more like the stores that are closed are kind of like, well, geez, I guess we'll look at kind of don't look at gift horse in the mouth. Diamond's kind of doing us a favor here uh, because we couldn't sell it if we if we if they were open and pay the bill. So, like, is I mean, that, that that is true, but mm -hmm. many of them were telling Diamond, you better not. I see. We'll sell that 401 product. I mean, they were literally saying the only thing that you can do to save this industry is to not fill that 401 product. Mm. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Now, I'm no. not saying everyone was. I'm not saying right. everyone that was closed. I'm just saying the loudest voices. And mm. I'll be honest, you know, I, this is when I, I, I talk to 
all the major publishers this week. And what I said to them is at this point, right now, I will do anything I have to to keep my business afloat. So I don't care if at the end of this, no one likes me. And I mean in the industry. I don't. I'm sorry. All bets are off. I'm not going to slit anyone's throat. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I will do anything. I will help anyone who wants help too, by the way. So I, but if I have to sell every single freaking extra issue that I have in my inventory to stay afloat, I'm going to do it. I have employees to, to keep employed. Sure. I have, I mean, this is my livelihood. I have children who work for me. That is, it's their livelihood. And not just that, it means something to me. I want this medium to be lit. I want it to actually exist a month from now. And I don't think that halting all publishing and not putting anything out is, is going to do the trick. I don't believe it. Well, because the book market is still moving. So yeah. when... Yeah, so, so just, to, just to be clear again... Closed, Right. Just to be clear to our listeners, so we know, like, make sure that we're all talking about the same thing. What you're basically saying is, you know, we're obviously always would encourage people and prefer that they, let's say, order their trades from in stock. But if people are in the habit of ordering, let's say, trades from Amazon as a as a, as an alternative, you're saying, as far as you know, whatever trades are due out this week and let's say next week that are distributed to Amazon through that the Hachettes or the Penguins, they're still going to get their trades. But you're, at least as far as you know right now, because you use Diamond, are not going to get your trades, we are saying. That's exactly right. Now, okay. the difference is the book market on, say, a Marvel book. Cameron's trying to call me. He should. I told him I was talking to you guys. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Oh, you're busy. Jeez. <laughs> See, I told you. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious, because that's how it's been. Like the last uh, last week. Um, okay, so the different the only difference is the book market does get it later than us. Okay, so direct okay. market has. Um, it, so it depends on the publisher. Sometimes we have a six day window. Sometimes we have a thirteen day window. Mm-hmm. So, like with Marvel, for for example, we have a thirteen day window. So, for example, yesterday, the JMS. Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus was supposed to come out, right? It was going to be a record day for insect trade. We already knew it. Cameron has a ridiculous amount of those on order. And it literally, he told me a couple of weeks ago, he goes, this is going to be the greatest day in insect trade's history. And by the way, uh, he does want me to clarify that insect trade almost isn't a sister company anymore because they have surpassed DCBS in monthly wow. sales. Which, um, you know, whatever, Cameron. <laughs> we have, we've always had this. We've always had this rivalry between. Listen, all the money flows yeah. to the same pot, so you can <laughs> feel it, free. To... It absolutely does, and I remind him that we carry that we take care of singles. So if we want to go by pieces or oh. units, then we're kicking their ass. But anyway, <laughs> that's just a, a little playful uh, thing. Sure, sure. But, but but anyway, so what happens is Amazon will have that omnibus on April 14th. So that is a problem for us, right? Because we compete with Amazon, and we compete very well with Amazon because we have better pricing than Amazon on those omnibuses. But if we don't have it in stock, that's a huge issue. Because then people will 
say, well, Insect Trace doesn't have it. I don't know when they're going to have it. And then they may go to Amazon and say, oh, I'll pay 10% more for it because at least I know I'm going to get it. So that, that's a huge issue for us. Um, so can and the you, book market can is going to keep can, going. Can you use book market distributors? Um, I, I mean, it, putting well, let me ask you two things. Did you, at least until this point, have are you required to have an exclusive deal with Diamond? And then, in your opinion, or have you at least considered that because of what Diamond has done, does that free you to use other distributors as well? Um, or is it still too early to think about that? Uh, I mean, I will tell you, we've, we've had discussions about it. Uh, our contract does not make us exclusive to Diamond. Only Marvels and DCs and Images and everyone else's contracts make them exclusive to Diamond. Got it. Okay, so we could potentially, but there are a couple wrinkles in that. First of all, we have all those items on order with Diamond. So a Marvel or a DC or an image would have to say, hey, Diamond, I want you to cancel these orders DCBS and Insect Trades has with you because they're going to go buy it at our book distributor, which is not going to make Diamond happy. And I don't know what their contracts are, you know, like what they entail and whether that's even a thing, like mm -hmm. whether that's even a possibility. So, you know, that's the first wrinkle. The second wrinkle is with Hachette and with Penguin and whatever. They have a lower discount than probably what we get from some of those. So then we have to say, I mean, we could, we could take it in and we get a lower discount. So we wouldn't be able to put it up at maybe at the, like at a special discount. It'd probably have to be at the regular discount and we'd let, make less margin on it. Mm -hmm. Still not a big deal. It's just that, you know, that's the thing we'd have to do. Also, I assume now that Diamond is shut down, there are probably tons of retailers who are thinking that same thing and getting accounts, and then that might actually bog down the book market system. I don't know. I don't know how good they are. I know Penguin Random House is the largest book distributor in the world, yeah. so I'm sure they're okay. Um, I don't know about Hachette. I have always heard good things about Penguin Random House. But there is a huge rivalry between Penguin Random House and Diamond on that book side because there have been some retailers who have left Diamond for, well, at least the trade and, you know, the book market stuff, and they're buying it all through Penguin Random House, and they're only getting their singles through Diamond. But, you know, that can affect your discount, too. So it wouldn't necessarily ours because we hit the minimum because we buy enough singles to make it. But but we really don't want to make an enemy of Diamond either, right? No, of course. It, yeah, it, we want so, to be as supportive as we can, but we can only be supportive to a certain point. Sure. Yeah, so that that's kind of, so if I may, I mean, you know, again, because I think it, you, in a way you, you have been uh, the wizard behind the curtain for, uh, I think because we've always, you know, you've been, a, we've, We've we've led almost every episode talking about you, and obviously we're, we're customers. Needless to say, the 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 many many thousands of listeners that we have, and I'm I'm hoping a chunk of them are. Well, I know that a bunch of them have have become sure. our yeah. So you know we'll 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 get right. the questions right. Like we'll anytime like a, someone's orders late or 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 you know they're, they're like hey yeah. what's what's going on? I'm like well you could just reach out to customer service <laughs> like ask them. We're not. Yeah. But my point is is you know we we obviously have some sense of 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 pride and 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 camaraderie to you and yeah. And one of the things I think maybe I'm I'm wondering if I've misinterpreted over the years is I assumed because of your now I realize this wasn't the case say 20 years ago but I've assumed in the last 
say phase of your professional careers where you've become, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest direct market retailer. Uh, I've assumed that that affords you a certain level of um, visibility or uh, insight or let's say um, uh, like they, they, they are a little bit more accountable to you because of that. And, and with that, sure. I guess it, it, what I'm wondering is it doesn't sound like you, at least, at least from what I'm, I'm, I'm gathering so far, it doesn't seem like Diamond's giving you much clarity as to what's going on. And that does surprise me because I assumed if like you and maybe Midtown Comics, like if anyone was going to have clarity from them on the retailer side, it was going to be you, you, you all. And so like, I guess that's got to be needless to say, highly discomforting for you, right? If, if they're not telling you anything. It is. Yeah. Because we do. I mean, I, um, actually I'm friends with one of the VPs of Diamond. So he's very high up on the chain. But I, most people are probably unaware of this, and it's really kind of a retailer knowledge thing, but recently Diamond did kind of a reorganization of sorts where they renamed the, in, the entire company, like Jeffy Family Enterprises, and then they brought in a new guy, who's in charge, who came from Pepsi. And he's supposed to come in and, you know, I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know what he's supposed to do. But the people that we had assumed were the heir apparent um, are still in their positions and still highly regarded in the company. But now they basically answer to this person. And... Steve has become more involved over the last few months. And so, I mean, for good or bad, I don't know, right? Because I'm not, I'm not running the company. But I have noticed that it's become a little more corporate if that, and not I mean, in a bad way in some sorts and in a good way in some sorts, right? So their messaging is very, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not sure if you've, well, I mean, we notice as retailers because on the Diamond site, you know, they give us the update and it's, Steve or it's Stan telling us this is, you know, whatever. But, you know, I'll be honest, and I haven't spoken to Steve since the Diamond Summit last year, but had I had the opportunity in the last week, I I would have had some stuff to say to him, you know, Hmm. Um, because it does feel like a different company now that they've restructured and... But I don't, I mean, this is such an unprecedented time, and I know that right. is such a cliche right. to say it, but it is literally nothing that anyone expected, right? Sure, sure. So, I mean, in our lifetime, my mother, who's almost 69 years old, never in her lifetime she's seen anything like this. And so no one expected this. Now, luckily, I am married to a person who is expecting the worst in every situation at every moment. <laughs> the man is the most, I can call him and say, hey, I have this idea. He will come up with 10 reasons why that won't work. It's, it's the most amazing thing. He is the, and I'm not saying he's a pessimist because he's not. He just, he comes up with every scenario that could possibly go wrong with any, you know, anything. And so for years we've been, he, we've been like ready for it, right? So I'm not saying we're like in, the most fantastic shape ever, and we just got loads of money just laying around because we don't. We constantly reinvest in the company. We constantly try to raise our employees' pay every time we have a chance. Um, 
but we do, you know, we know that we take people's money before we're sending them product. So we make sure we have that money set aside. You know, those are things that we do. I'll be honest with you, most retailers don't do that. They literally are flying by the seat of their pants, which is why you're seeing retailers a weekend saying, oh, my God, I have to shut my doors forever. Because no one expects this, right? And I'll be honest, I think it's the American way, right? Isn't that how a lot of people live? You know, you're doing great. You know, you're spending your money, and you're not really, like, thinking of this disaster. Because we've all lived fairly good lives, and I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying I have. I've been super lucky. I grew up with hardly anything, and I've worked really hard to give my kids a much. I'm not saying a better life because my parents are loving and, you know, supportive and encouraging. And and I was a lucky person to have that in my life. Um, And so was Cameron. So we gave that to our own children, and our children don't take anything for granted. Um, But people live that way now, and, like, like it's it, it's amazing to me now that I'm looking back and I'm thinking and I'm sure you, everyone's doing this. Everyone's reflecting on their lives and saying, "Wow, man, I, I've taken a lot of this for granted, right? I've taken for granted the fact that you know I could at any moment go to the grocery store, pick up whatever I want, yep, you know, go through this checkout and just go home, have a glass of wine, you know, and now." My parents are literally, my dad, which is hilarious, he's retired Army for like 21 years. He now drives a school bus for the Catholic school at one of the little schools in town. And he, he texted me one day, and my dad is not a big talker. Um, neither is my mom. I don't know where the hell I get it from. <laughs> and, um, and he texted me the other day. He goes, I want to see my grandkids. I miss my grandkids. Because, you know, we get together every Sunday night for dinner with whether it's at mom and dad's house, whether it's my house or my sister's house, we haven't gotten together for three weeks. Like this is, and I'm sure all of you feel the same way. Like you have things that you do with your families, even your own family. And you can't like even just going out to eat. Like we took that for granted. And now once this ends and thank God it will eventually end because we have a lot of really smart people in this world. We're going to help us out, right? And if we're smart and we listen to people, we're supposed to then do the things that we're supposed to do. And we're going to come out of this. It's going to be okay. There are a lot of people who are going to lose loved ones, and it's horrific. But we're all going to be a lot wiser after this. And we're all going to reevaluate a lot of things. I mean, every industry is going to reevaluate. And let's hope that most of these industries are still, you know, in existence after the whole thing. Yeah, you're you're touching on something obviously that's I think at the hearts and minds of everybody uh, listening, and 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 you know we we hear lots of stories from people in the community about uh, you know, and, and like you said, it it ranges from I'm really grateful that I still have a job, and 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 wow, I'm I'm so fortunate, and I'm start I'm not gonna t- I'm not gonna it's not lost on me anymore, but also unfortunately a lot of people that are losing their jobs and. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. So, so I guess, you know, one of the things I think, cause we did let our patrons know that you were coming on. And I think one of the kind of universal questions a lot of them had, and, and it makes sense is, um, you know, it might be hard because you are, you are, you and camera your own business and have achieved a, a different scale and your business model is different as you were alluding, but like, it's no secret that, you know, I've told people because of what I do for a living that, that, um, 
a lot of people ask me about the business side of this, and I said, well, I can't. I'm not. I'm not a comics retailer. I'm not a publisher. I just have a, com- a podcast with some buddies that I talk about comics. I said, but as a portfolio manager, I can tell you that a lot of industries that were like incredibly well run and had really good cash flow and balance sheets are facing like dramatic problems from this, right? Because as you said, it was completely unprecedented. Right. So, so an industry like comics retailing, whereas you alluded, while certainly there are plenty of very, very good retailers, not just yourselves, but you know, they're, they're the right. isotopes and they're the challengers. But my point is, is that there are given, let's say I, I, you probably know the number better than I do, but let's say it's 1800 to 2000 retailers. Um, we, we've always known that a lot of them are not very well run They're They're not, they weren't started by business people. They're, they're really uh-huh. labors of love and, and, and don't have high profit margins even when things are good. So it stands to reason that unless this somehow magically ends like next week and Diamond is back to business and, and all these, these you know doors are back open everywhere across the country, which we know isn't going to happen, it stands to reason right. that a chunk of retailers are, are going to you know have to close their doors permanently. So we'll accept that as what it is. I, I'm not expecting you to have any kind of of reason to know like what percent that is. It's not your place to, to guess. But but what I'm wondering, Christina, is you do really understand though the the business side of the publishers and like how much they make. And I know you're very aware of like what percentage sales DCBS and in stock are to certain publishers. Sure. So my question to you is do you have a sense for how much of the direct market can go away before it has a you know, a domino, a ripple effect to the publishers where, where it's like so much of the channel is suddenly gone that they, they themselves are in trouble. I mean, is that like, are, is that a potential situation here or is it way too early to worry oh, about yeah. that? Okay. No, I mean, it is. And I'm okay. So there are two concerns, right? Um, and we have voiced this to all the publishers, all the publishers we've spoken to. So the top two publishers, and I'm going to say that because they have the largest market share, right? They blow everyone away, market share-wise. They are both owned by very large corporations. Yeah, AT&T and Disney, but, right. Right. But those those people have people at the helm who it is very important to them to protect their IP, right? That's, that's literally what DC and Disney care about. They need to protect their IP. So because they need to sell licenses and they need to sell consumer products, right? That's publishing for every single publisher does not make money. Hands down. And I'm not, I'm even, Marvel is probably the only publisher that actually makes money. DC may, may make a little bit, but you know, even when we were at the, we were at the DC meeting in Burbank in January before all of this, you know, um, we were talking to one of their people and we said, look, why don't they just treat you? Because, you know, they're always worried about how many sales they're going to get. Uh, you know, it, oh, we can't, we have to cancel this book because it's under 30,000. And, and we were just saying, why don't they just treat you as an R&D repart- department? You know, every corporation that has an R&D department, they don't expect them to actually bring revenue. They just are supposed to be churning out the things that are going to create revenue later. Right. Absolutely. The the publishing partners, the publishing arms of these big corporations could be just pure R&D. They almost use it as an expense. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. I like that idea. 
I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you do because they, you, they probably, you probably have them, um, you know, on your back uh, or off your back, right? Um, but then you have even the images. An image is a completely different anomaly because they have a way different business model yeah, than very anyone lean. else, right? Right, very lean at the operating right. level, yeah. They're lean. They have creators that own. They're, you know, that, that own the majority of the product. Um, all of their contracts, I'm sure, are different. I don't know if they're con- – I mean, I know of some, but, you know, the thing is they are completely – they're a completely separate entity compared to any other. Then you've got the IDWs, the Booms, the Dark Horses, who have recently, in the last few years, had a fairly good influx of cash, right, from investors, even Valiant. You could even put Valiant in that realm. But none of them really are making a lot of money publishing. You know, they're breaking even. IDW's been, and, and this is like a known fact, that IDW's been losing money for, for pretty much every month for a couple of years now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, so, they're like sort of publicly traded because they they have a penny stock. that. Uh, right. So I do, I do pay attention to their quarterly earnings. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they have, like you said, been losing money really forever. And, and they were putting mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of uh, their eggs in the financial back end for their Netflix deals with Lock and Key. And then obviously right. for, uh, yeah, so sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of those companies, though, I mean, you could even even though they're not like a big part of the market, why and Forge had a huge infusion of cash, right? So, but all of those companies, unfortunately, and Valiant had Chinese money. So when you have those publishers, those publishers, after a while, people are going to say, well, we're tired of losing money, right? So they have to figure out how to, and everyone is going to have to figure out how to publish differently. I mean, from supply chains all the way down to, you know, how much time they put into retailers. I mean, everyone's going to have to do that. I, the, the unfortunate thing is, and this is what I don't want to have happen, I want all of them to survive. All of the ones who get their books out on time, who are really kind of, and, and if you do not have the independent publishers, they are not the ones who are finding the new talent, by the way. That, that ends up getting stolen by the DCs and Marvels eventually. Or even the images, really. But even image, you know, can, can create that, that talent pool. If they go away, we don't have that talent pool. So we don't want to end up with just three publishers. We want a good, healthy amount of independent publishers. Oh, They're God, going yes. yeah. to have to figure out how to do different. They're going to have to figure out how to do their business differently. I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Because we don't, right? We don't know what that means. But some of them probably could stand to a lot of business. I mean, if you can't get your books out on time consistently, you know, I reach a point as a retailer where I just, I stopped offering, I stopped offering you. And that is a big deal, by the way. It is a very big deal. Because we offer everything in the previous catalog. That's for sure. But yeah. I started calling... Yeah, a couple of months ago, and I'm not going to name the publisher, but I called Cameron. I said, hey, we're going to stop offering this stuff now because they never are on time. We constantly are having to answer emails. It really screws up. It it really affects our brand, even though we're not the ones publishing it, right? And so at a certain point, you have to tell, and I, I 
I emailed that publisher, and I emailed Diamond. And I said, I'm not offering these anymore, and I also want to cancel all the, the stuff that they haven't shipped in two years. And that is something that we do have, not poll necessarily, but we can make a statement and say we're not doing it, and our customers will, you know, it'll get back to the publisher, even though I've told them. Like, we're always ahead, you know, ahead of the game, and we're above board about it. But we, as retailers, and you as consumers, have to say, you know what, this now, uh-uh, that's not acceptable anymore. And I'm not going to continue to allow you to do that. And I'll be honest, consumers are not great about that. <laughs> right? That is very true. I mean, we've talked about that in, for years on the show, right? And, and it, look, it, yeah. it took the three of us, right? I mean, we, we're in that demo. We, I think if you, we've, we've, we all were at the start of this podcast, you know, 12 years ago or whatever, we were much more beholden to that mindset of like, got to buy the comics because I have a complete run, right. got to keep the continuity, even though it sucks, even though the books are late, even though I don't think it's good. Now, now I do think a lot of consumers have changed over the last decade because of lots of reasons. I think, like you said, the the price, events, uh, delays, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. digital. I think a lot of things have, have, have led to people's changing behavior. Um, you know, uh, to at least to an extent, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely still a good chunk of people that are uh, a certain way for sure. Um, so I guess the the well, question for you is 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 what what can we as customers or people who don't want to see great retailers or publishers go? I mean, what specifically can or should we be doing at this time to help? Other than obviously buying stuff, but I mean. You know, that's, that's kind of right. a given. But. I mean, it is, but, um, you know, I honestly, to have the confidence in me that I'm going to do right by you, so even if it may be three weeks late, I'm still going to get you that product. So don't immediately worry that I would keep your money and not either give it back to you if I, if, if I can't fulfill it. Because anyone who's been a customer of mine for any amount of time, should know. Yeah, there are times where there are a lot. We have approximately 3,500 items a month, right, unique items a month that are offered. And Diamond, there are times where we don't even know something's canceled because it didn't come through our invoices. We get an invoice every week, and it tells us this has been canceled, this has been resolicited, whatever. And so there are times where people will be like, hey, this has been on my list forever. And we'll be like, this, that's so weird. We had a confirmed order, yada, yada. So we're always going to take care of you. We're always going to either credit you if we can't get it. We're always going to make sure we try to get it again if we can. Um, and that's what you have to do for any of your retailers, right? So if you have a subscription service with them, if you have a pull list with them, first of all, make sure you're picking up your damn pull list. And I'm telling, <laughs> I, you know, I don't have a brick and mortar, but if you are going to a local comic shop, you know, be a good customer because if they're good to you, by the way, right? So if they're a good retailer to you and they're suggesting things and you're ordering them, make sure you're paying, you know, because that only helps them. It helps them stay in business. And then with this period of time over the next few weeks, make sure that you're communicating and, and finding out. But if you are able to wait, that's great. If you aren't, just communicate that and we'll take care of you. You know, that's the only thing that we can do. Now, yeah. as far as publishers, you know, 
we as retailers, and, and I'm not going to even put myself in this category because I've told the, the publishers to do whatever the hell they need to do to stay in business, right? But the retailers need to back off on telling the publishers how they need to run their businesses <laughs> because the retailers are not the only people in this industry. There are consumers in this industry, and there is a digital part of this industry. And everyone is going to hate me for this who's a brick-and-mortar retailer. But I'll tell you what, I have never been afraid of digital. You know why? Because we had a digital, we had a comicsology portal on our site. Mm -hmm. And my business has grown every single year. And I still sold digital comics on my site through the comicsology portal. I bought them. Right. And lots of people did because we gave a rebate, right? Yep. So I know Absolutely. I got I got some of that money every month too. And I'll be honest with you, Comicsology told us. They were like, Wow, you guys are the only ones who really like made that work. Ugh. And the reason they ended it is because we were the only ones who made it work, right? It didn't make sense for them financially. Right. To like keep all the security things up. And they really wanted to. They really like they held it out longer, way longer than they should have. But this is my thing, and I actually just had a conversation with David Steinberger today about it. I am not afraid of digital. You know why? Because it's only going to expose more people to the medium. And no one, and you know, honestly, if that's what it takes to make the publishers healthy, then so be it. Because if no one is going to walk into a shop or no one is going to come on my website, I wasn't going to get that sale anyway. So why not let that sale go to at least somebody and have another reader? Because that's really all we care about, right? We just want more readers. Yes. At least I do. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's like you obviously are both a – you are an ally of brick-and-mortar stores in the sense that you have a big voice and you are subject to the same supply chain as they are. But I guess okay. it's more like competition because obviously you theoretically are uh, very much a alter an alternative to any brick and mortar uh, as well. So do, would you say that you're? I've always gotten the sense like you have a fairly good relationship with with the brick and mortar community. Is is that a fair characterization? <laughs> I mean, is, is it competition? Is it like some love you, some hate you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, oh, uh, most hate us. Oh, okay. Um, but you know what? Most hate us. I do have a lot of good friends that are retailers. Um, and even those who dislike us still have an appreciation, maybe a respect for us. Right, respect, yeah. But um, I I'll tell you, this is funny because um, at, the, at the DC meeting, um, they just asked us to kind of give, us a uh, give a presentation. We are an under an NDA for the DC meeting, so I'd never tell you anything that was ever said there other than we did a presentation. So everyone kind of did a presentation to each other, just, you know, so we had a better idea of, of the businesses that were there. And I literally started out my presentation with, I know you all hate me, but I don't <laughs> care. And I just said, look, we've been in business for almost 21 years and the market has been fine. You have all been successful in your businesses. And really, if the retailers, and I'm saying this to anybody, in any business, when you have competition, the best thing that you can do is figure out how to work against that competition, how to set yourself apart from that competition. I do not have the benefit of being face-to-face -face with my customers. And by the way, I'm a fantastic salesperson, right? 
I am, I, I sold cosmetics before we were in comics. And I sold the shit out of cosmetics, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I was just good. I'm a good salesperson. I'm likable. I, I, I can read people really well, you know, whatever. But the thing is that it's important for any retailer to literally look at something and say, wow, how can I do it better than them? Or how can I set myself apart from them? And what the comics brick-and-mortar community has is they have community, right? They have people who want to walk in their stores and talk about the books. And, you know, they, it, you, you, you actually forge friendships with these people. And we did, even when we had a brick-and-mortar. You know, I, I still go to dinner with Andy Tom. I haven't for a couple of years now. But, like, we would go to dinner with – Cameron and I would go to dinner with Andy Tom and his wife. And it was great. And he was a customer in the store, and, you know. And, and I still have customers who email us that were local customers who are now just regular DCBS customers who get shipped out every month. And so that's the key in, in dealing with that competition. Now, to be fair, I could probably tell you 70% of our customers aren't within an hour of a comic shop. So if we didn't exist, it probably would be more likely that those copies wouldn't exist in the market. Because people aren't going to drive an hour and a half to, to buy Batman if that's the only thing they buy every month, right? It's true. They yeah. aren't. Yep. So, like, we have filled this little niche, which is great, and we still have people who get some stuff from their local shop and get some stuff from us. Or some people who don't have great comic shops, right? Who the guy's kind of crotchy, or the girl, I shouldn't be sexist, you know, or whatever. So, everyone is in this community, though, to sell comics. And I don't begrudge anyone going to a local comic shop. I don't begrudge anyone, you know, a any retailer in saying, hey, I'm going to, but, but they have, this is the thing, retailers, there's too many retailers, it is a labor of love, like you said, Jason, but they do not understand how to run a business. Oh, no like, doubt. They yeah, literally, no doubt. yeah, they want to turn the lights on, they want to unlock the door and they want the publishers to do the work for them. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we're all in it together. If everyone's not working at the same goal, none of it's going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I have a question. Jason's been monopolizing sure. you the whole time. but uh, yeah. no, That's me. Yeah. I'm going to play against... Are you going to ask me if I saw Tiger King? Because I did. <laughs> oh, who, who has it? I, I watched the whole thing. It's yeah. awesome. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I knew about it. I don't know if you guys listened to last podcast on the left, but last podcast on the left has been talking about this damn Joe Exotic for like two years. I knew about him, um, but when I saw this, this was just incredible. But yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead and ask me your question. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to play against type because I'm a pessimist, but I'm going to look at this from, from uh, an optimistic viewpoint. So we have a structure that supports the comic book industry, right? The, this, this retailer distributor structure. And if you want to build a more sturdy structure, what do you do? You raise the original, knock it down and build a stronger foundation and then work your way up, right? Do you think right. that, I mean, it's a very, very unfortunate situation we find ourselves in, but do you think that it's uh, an opportune time to not only build up the, uh, Dis distribution structure, whatever it may, whatever form it may take, and the the retailing structure. But 
Also, do you think this is going to have an effect on the way publishers produce their content? Like, I, I mean, I've, I've, right, I've always used um, the anthology as the, the win-win scenario for publishers. Now, we all know anthologies don't sell, right? But say Marvel, who publishes, what, about 192 Spider-Man titles a month? Now, right. what if in a situation like this, they say, okay, we're moving all these units of product, and why don't we consolidate and maybe produce four Spider-Man titles a month, but make them bigger in terms of page count, make them more, uh, raise the cover price, like say seven ninety nine. So we're, we'll produce the same amount of content, only anthologize them. And so there's less moving parts in the industry, but the return on the, on the investment is almost the same. Do you know what I mean? So where, where I, yeah, where, I know exactly what you mean. Right. Yeah. So do you think that maybe we'll see more publishers making more more costly books with more content, and maybe alternate shipping weeks? Like instead of having product coming to the stores every week and having people having to distribute this stuff every week, you have uh, a publisher that you know sh ships a good amount of content every other week but yet still has the same return on their their product is i mean i'm just throwing ideas out there and i don't know right right where well, this I'll could be honest i don't i don't think anything is off the table at this point right right i mean if an industry can go three to four weeks without pulling putting product out i, I will tell you that i don't think a marvel will ever do that okay marvel is beholden to and i and and I, I've had conversations with John Nee, uh, who runs Marvel, very delightful man, um, and David Gabriel. But you know, they they have powers that be that say we like that forty three percent market share. You do everything to maintain that forty three percent market share. I don't care what you have to do, and so that's why we have ten, you know, variants for X Men number one, right? right. So I don't. I, I could see, I can see them going, oh, and, and, and I, I haven't talked to the, I haven't talked to John since this whole thing has happened because he has been so crazy busy. And he even texted me like last week. He's like, hey, we need a chat, you know, just about what's going on. And this, this is the thing about Marvel. They will, I don't see them changing a whole lot. The only thing I see them changing is, Okay, our biggest problem was the diamond shut down, right? So we need a backup distributor. And the other problem is that our printer may have had issues, so we should have a backup in that. I think that's what they will be considering. But I think other publishers will be considering everything, right? Oh, maybe we are publishing too many books. Oh, we, maybe we should change the format. And by the way, Vince, at this point, if we go a month without comics, we how many comic customers do we still have? Right. Uh, we don't know, right? Right. Like, people could literally leave in droves, and not just because of this, not just because of not having new content, uh, because they don't have a job, because they don't know what their future, you know, what lies in their future financially. So everyone is going to have to reevaluate on multiple levels right and it, and it also 
No, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No. Well, I was just going to say, we've talked to publishers and talked about different formatting. We've never said don't send us weekly shipments because, you know, that would just be crazy, right? Yeah. Um, Jason uh, would just... Know, I'm joking, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, believe me, there are weeks where I'm like, man, I wish this was like every other week. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, but, you know, I mean, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for the comics industry to do a reboot completely. Like it's it's like a DC and Marvel reboot, but it's, it's it's caused by the world, right? Yeah. See, I like the way you think. Crazy pandemic. Yeah, I yeah. would burn it all down too, and and start the, start from yeah. scratch. Yep. The question though is that who provides that central leadership to to build something from the ashes? Though, right? I mean, it, it, it doesn't just well. Th- you know that's that's the problem, right? I mean, who is there? I think you should you should I, take I the lead. Know. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm old and tired now. I you know I've been joking with Cameron for five years. I want to retire. It's not going to yeah. happen. By the way, I got a I got another good you know ten fifteen years in me. But um, fifteen twenty no, now. We all have to add five years to our planned retirement after this last month. By the way, yeah, yeah, last no, week. We do. yeah, we yeah. do. Don't we? Damn it, yeah. I, I presume, I mean, again, yeah. if you remember, but because uh, you were obviously in business back in 08, 09, because um, you alluded to people obviously having job issues and stuff and that affecting demand. Um, th- do you recall, right. was it a meaningful, like, did you feel like sales fell off more, less, or about the same in 08, 09, like, versus the economic downturn? Oh, no. I mean, this is unprecedented. I mean, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not comparing this to that. I'm saying, like, in oh, 08, okay. 09, did you feel like like comics were stickier? Like, did you did your business go down less than you thought, more than you thought, or more? Yeah. No, it didn't go down at all. Oh, okay, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in fact, Cameron and I were like, okay, so are we recession proof? Like, we were like seriously thinking, huh, this is crazy. Um, but to be honest, we're a discounter. So I'm not saying that maybe there were people who finally found us and they were like, oh, you know, here's my answer, right? I can continue to keep collecting because I'm getting 40% off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to advertise, but I know that there are people like that who were like, oh, okay, well, I, and, and they could be people who bought 10 books a month, you know, who sure. said, I think I'm out. And then they were like, wow, I don't have to be necessarily. Got it, got it. So yeah. we did not see that. We didn't see it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know we, way back at the start of the chat, we uh, we had made brief mention of Mr. Rich Johnson and his site, Bleeding Cool, which uh, we're not, I wouldn't say we're particular friends of per se, give or take, but it is what it is. He has a place in the world, I guess. But he broke a story, which I've come to learn was uh, not, uh, I guess maybe not, not atypical for him. His breaking the story actually caused a bit of a, uh, a kerfluffle for the people that, that were involved in the direct story. And that was this idea of comic hub. And, uh, I I'm paraphrasing cause I don't have the website, but I believe this, the headline was something like the day that direct market was saved or the comics were saved. And, uh, and it was supposed to be this plan, uh, from a few days ago that uh, comic hub, which as I understand it, um, is a, a retail management system that, that some number of, of, brick and mortar stores use. I don't know what percentage or how many, but some do. And, um, and that the gentleman behind that had been working on a plan that would theoretically allow customers of, 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 uh, brick and mortar to 
go on to Comic Hub, order the comics that they want physically. Um, those comics would be, you know, delivered to them whenever possible, whenever all of this craziness ends. And in the meantime, theoretically, the people that do this would have immediate access through Comic Hub to digital copies of the comics that they're going to buy physically. And all of this news came out sort of in, in, in a very haphazard way through Rich's site with not a lot of detail. And I guess the people behind it at Comic Hub and uh, the other people they're working with weren't prepared to give all the details that day. They, they weren't expecting uh-huh. the story to break. Um, you know, I guess my, my question to you is I, I've no doubt you've been hearing a lot about it. I, I don't even know if it's something that would have made sense for you to be involved with because you already have a very robust front end web-based front end for yourselves. But do you, do you know anything about it? Like, have you gotten more details? Do you think it's a, you know, a, a, a potential solve, at least in part is, is it, is it dead on arrival? You're not sure. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on comic hub. Um, I'll be honest. As soon as I saw it, I got on the phone. So I was on the phone for probably three hours with about 10 different people about it. Okay. Um, and, and I, I immediately reached out to the publishers. I was like, Hey, you know, I asked Marvel if they were involved. They said no. And I asked uh, DC, and they didn't give me a specific answer, but they were like, wait, what? Are they saying we are? Um, But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a no. Hmm. Um, And then I reached out to a few other publishers, and I said, well, how is this going to work exactly? So I had one publisher call me back, and they said, okay, What's going to happen? Because, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, how does the money work, right? And I obviously reached out to Diamond, and they said, yeah, no, we're not involved at all. I thought, well, how is that going to work, right? How are they going to get print copies with the digital purchase if Diamond's not involved? Diamond's the only one who can be involved, right? So I I called the publisher. The publisher called me back, who was considering it was looking into it, trying to find out how they could work that out. And they said, well, it looks like what's going to happen is the publisher, the, the retailers are going to take all the money in. I said, okay, well, then how's the publisher getting paid? Uh, we're not sure, but, like, the re, you know, it's going to give the retailer revenue, and then they'll just order their copies through Diamond normally, and everything will be fine. Like, well, that's, that still doesn't make sense to me because Comic Cub is going to take a percentage, and I believe that Comic Hub is going to expect you to be a Comic Hub member. Right. My understanding so is they're the waiving the uh, they're waiving the five hundred dollars startup fee, but it would still be one hundred dollars a month, which I think is their standard subscription charge. So yeah, right. To your point. Yes, exactly. Right. So, so what I can tell you that I know about Comic Hub is they have one hundred customers, one hundred retailers of the two thousand, right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard it's a very good platform. I do not know personally enough about it, but I know that there are a lot of moving parts in that that I'm not sure would logistically work. The first thing would be, how are they getting the print comics? And where? how is the money happening? And by the way, um, who's taking that money? Is this retailer on the hook for the credit card fees? Is the retailer on the hook for the tax repercussions of it? Because tax has been a huge issue with us for the last year, you know, since the Supreme Court ruling. I mean, it's been Cameron's living nightmare 
is dealing with, with the tax issues now. So, like, none of that is really spoken to in there. And then I heard, no, 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 the retailer's getting 50% off, and then Comic Hub's taking a 1%. Take. Like, there are so many conflicting stories. So I went on the Comic Hub site, but they, it doesn't really give you information about it on there either. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll be honest with you, I talked to a couple of publishers today, and they have said it's kind of dead on arrival. I don't know if that is true. Right. I know right before we recorded, yeah, right before we started recording, I I saw that uh, Multiversity had broke a story that that Image is officially not going to participate. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, well, that kind of seems like it's dead on arrival then. Realizing, of course, like you said, I mean, Image is is a distant third to Marvel and DC, but but it it just seems kind of spiritual, like, well, I mean, if, if, if if, if the average customer can't, read a digital copy of image, I would imagine other publishers are going to have similar questions and issues. And I was just, I, I wasn't thinking about it because I'm not a retailer from the side you're talking about in terms of like who, who has to pay the fees and the, and the accounting of it and the tax and all that. I was thinking more right. as a consumer, you know um, you know, we beat the drum all the time about how rampant comics piracy is digitally. And oh, I was absolutely. just thinking like, you know, the reason that piracy is so popular in a lot of things these days is because it's the easiest path. It's frankly the same reason why 20 years ago, a lot of us, and I'll own up to this, downloaded MP3s illegally because iTunes didn't even exist. Literally, it was like, I can right. get these files digitally for free quickly, or I, there's no other way I can do that. It's the same thing here. Right. Like I just can't imagine many people that are beholden to buying physical books are going to take the time to want to go to a new website that they're not familiar with and then read a comic digitally on that website versus say like, Again, Comicsology, where at least you have an app for it, it's very elegant, and you can read. So, just it didn't. It seemed like right. it was asking a lot, but I didn't want to, or I should say, I didn't. I, I don't want to like dismiss it out of hand in the sense that, like we've said many times tonight, it it it, it is one of those situations that's so unprecedented that you don't want to poo-poo any potential fix, even if it seems wonky. Right. So, like, I'm rooting for them, and I sincerely hope like it helps some number of stores stay afloat that otherwise wouldn't have. But I do think we have to be very careful and stop short of, like, calling it a panacea, which it's been characterized in the last 48 hours. So, so I remember I long box. I guarantee it is not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is absolutely not a panacea at all. And what they don't realize and what I don't think that Comic Hub realized when they made the announcement is as soon as any digital product comes out, whether it's Image, Marvel, DC – they all have contracts with Comixology. The moment that digital product, whether it's as soon as a retailer takes money for it, then Comixology has the right to put that up. Right. For most of those contracts, that's how it is. So what you're doing is you are opening a can of worms, right? So the very thing that retailers didn't want to have happen, which was to have digital released yesterday, right? And all of the retailer or all of the publishers back down and said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that to you retailers. We're not going to do that. That's exactly what would happen with this comic stuff. Mm, great point, yeah. And mm. I don't think many people took that into consideration. I'll tell you what. I said, because I talked to David Gabriel the other day, and I said to him, I'll take, you know, if, and, and by the way, two weeks ago, David Gabriel offered this to retailers, and they freaked out. Absolutely not. We do not want you giving. And he was just saying, like, he was just trying to come up with a solution, right? 
he said, well, what if I gave you digital codes and your customers could at least read the books and then when they come in, you know, you would sell it to them as normal. And retailers were like, absolutely, like he was the devil. And really, that is how it should be done. If they were, if, I think that could work. If the publishers have the opportunity or the ability to verify print copies with Diamond and provide free digital copies to retailers who want to provide it to their customers in order to allow them to read those books that they have paid, like have, you know, essentially purchased or plan to purchase. I think that would be the ideal situation. Retailers are never going to be okay with Comixology doing that. Really, Comixology is the perfect platform in which to do it. But retailers are convinced that Comixology just wants to ruin their businesses and they just want to take all their customers. Now, is it, and Comixology, it, they don't. They just want to get more readers out. Is, do you think it's shifted since... Was it always like that or did it get kicked up a notch once Amazon purchased. So, so now is, is it not just a, a oh, oh no, no it's, it's a digital thing. Is it also now, oh God, we hate Amazon thing? Oh no, that, well it is that, but I mean they have always hated Comixology. I mean the people who have been against Comixology in, in digital have been against them from the very beginning. Okay. I'm one of the very few retailers, I'm not the only retailer by the way, but I'm one of the very few that feel that this is how I feel. Competition is good, right? But every retailer to me is an important retailer, as long as their goal is to sell as many comics as they can and to to try to grow the market. Anyone who's who's on that mission, I am your friend, and I will do anything to help you. And that's how I feel. But unfortunately, some retailers do not look at the bigger picture. They only look at their little store and how they think magically it's being affected by a comicsology. I don't even know how they think that's even really happening. But, you know, there are too many keyboard warriors, and you guys know it, you know, just on the consumer side, but we have the same problem in the retail community where there are people who are more happy being on their computers bitching about the plight of themselves instead of actually figuring out how to make their stores work. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. Well, well, so this episode will be well. Vince is a is a speed demon, so it'll go up, I guess, tonight. But but th- most people will be listening to this uh, on April third on Friday. And uh, mm-hmm. did you want to touch on the uh, the sale while we have you? Oh sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, Diamond uh, is not really at this point accepting reorders unless you are having them shipped directly. And we don't do that, right? This doesn't make sense for our business model. Um, So we have an incredible amount of inventory um, that we've kind of accrued over the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, we have customers with items in their open invoices right now, but we have many that don't. So we're hoping that uh, we can at least send you something in the shipment this month depending on, you know, when those books are going to get to us. So we're doing a sale um, on DCBS specifically, and there's an in-stock link on DCBS. So, you know, you have pre-orders link and, I don't know, you know, there used to be a DCBS exclusive, but it's in-stock. 
there are several thousand items on there. And so I called our programmer yesterday. I said, hey, I want to do a sale. Can you, can you make this happen? And he's an amazing genius. And so he did. He made it happen. Um, so we're doing 20% off single issues, the collectibles, pins, you know, whatever we have in stock that's like apparel, uh, and then 10% off, 10% off all trades and hardcovers. So that's on the, off of the DCBS, already DCBS price. Nice. Um, so what you want to do when you, when you do go in there with the in-stock link, because it's live inventory, you pay for it right away. Uh, but you can choose whether to have it shipped right away, which you can do. Um, or you can just say, hey, I want it in my next scheduled shipment. And if you've placed a February pre-order, then you have a next scheduled shipment, right? So if you want to go in, find some back issues that you want and get them 20% off, the already 40% off, generally speaking. Or if there's some ratio variants that you're like, yeah, it's kind of high, but we'll also have those 20% off too. Um, you know, go ahead and take advantage while you can. Uh, it's going to last till next Friday, and then, you know, we'll see where it goes from there, uh, depending on how long Timon doesn't fulfill product for us. Cool. All right, awesome. You hear that, people? Gets gets to sailing. That's a very good deal. Yeah. It is. I know, 10% off yeah. the already. So that's awesome. So that's like 50-plus percent for a lot of books, probably. That's awesome. Right, yeah. Sweet. Um, which is a big deal, because we usually don't do that, but... Yeah. We, I mean, we want to take revenue in, but we also do need to liquidate. And we figure it gives customers a chance to, you know, get some stuff in their in their invoices. So they actually, it makes it worth their while to have something ship out. And they at least get something this month. You know, I'm hoping that still by the end of the month, somebody can figure something out. But, you know, we're we're going to cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. So I, I know that the uh, the, the current uh, <laughs> the coronavirus and the, the the diamond thing is obviously like the the bright screaming neon sign of what's going on right now, and, and uh, it's hard to focus on other aspects of your business. But since we do have you, and uh, we often assume and hope that we do get back to uh, some sense of normalcy, you know, soon enough. I know every day feels like an eternity right now, but soon enough, hopefully. Um, there's a couple other things we've we've been dying to uh, to sort of peel back the uh, the uh, the 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 onion a bit and get to an understanding of um, and one you've touched on a few times, which is variants. So, mm-hmm. Dap I think occasionally buys a variant, although never like a chase variant. Vince and I have zero point zero percent interest in variants, True. at least in terms of buying them. But I have right. to say, as someone who is a rabid collector. And obviously spends not just on comics but art. I'm never going to besmirch someone of their own passion, but I am generally baffled at the um, economics and the seemingly important role that rare variants play across the food chain. From everything from goosing, you know, companies like Marvel and DC using it to goose numbers, to retailers Mm -hmm. using it to help sales. And to people flipping them to each other for insane amounts of money. So maybe like freeform, like are are variants a big part of your business? Are they an important part? I mean, like I I just I've never really since none of us are really into that side of the market. We've never really like pulsed you about that. Right. Um, 
they are important in that they are, it's kind of a socialist structure, right? So um, our biggest customers subsidize the shipping for our smallest customers. And because we have flat rate shipping, right? Um, and then ratio variants help us to maintain our special discounts. So we don't we don't make a tremendous amount of money off of it. Actually, just in uh, November, Cameron called me and he's like, "Hey, you know what? These ratio variants have become just like a real difficult. We're not. It's it's so hard to gauge the market on them. Like, if we know it's like a a Campbell a J Scott Campbell cover, we have to bump it up so that we have enough to cover orders. And it, it got to a point where it was just like this huge guessing game." And then we'd have tons of extras of some and then way oversold on others. And he just said, you know what? I think we should just not offer them on the site and wait until they actually release. And so we're not guessing on a price here. And so we did do that starting in January. And it's been somewhat successful. Um, I am the person. I was like, oh, yeah, Cameron, I can take care of that every week. And then, you know, my life blows up and I have. 20 people coming at me all the time and I forget to put the variants up for the week. And so I get a couple of customer emails going, Hey, did we have variants? And I'm like, ah, shit, I got to get that up. So the ratio variants are a really crazy anomaly, right? So I don't get it personally because I'm a book reader. I read it. I'm not a collector at all. I know you guys collect, Jason, you collect art. Some of you collect, just books in general, because of the art, you love it. But I love it for the story. So I read it, and I'm done. I take it back to the store, no big deal. I don't need it. I don't need to keep it. But there are so many people, like I am, it's unfathomable to me to have somebody pay $500 for a cover. And they do it. Yeah. And, again, to each his own. I will always say that. I spend my money on stupid shit about, you know, all the time. So, you know, we all have our, our things, right? It's a very small part of our business, but it does help us provide extra special discounts. It helps us do the bundles every month, you know, because it's, 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 a, it's a delicate balance to make sure that those discounts are right and we're processing properly and we're making the right kind of profit to be able to pay our employees well you know it's a business um but i think that dc has kind of jumped on that bandwagon a little more because they've seen how successful marvel's been with it and and really even the booms of the world and the idws um even image has gone to doing cover b's and cover c's and things like that I don't love it. I'll be honest, as a, as a person and as a person who wants to grow the industry, I don't think it's great. I don't like it. I, I would much rather have new different stories that I can sell to people than different covers with the same story because I don't think that grows a readership very well. But that's my personal opinion. That makes a ton of sense. So, so yeah. like, I guess the one thing that, like, I was never sure of is, say, I don't know, say there's a variant that you guys are selling for, I'm just making these prices up because I don't even, like 50 bucks. Is that essentially right. because you had to order X number of that regular title to get that co copy? Yes. Okay. And, you know, generally speaking, we might get that number of orders, but sometimes we don't. 
And so we kind of price it at a point where we think, hey, we might get enough to cover two or three, but we may have to order extra books in order to cover, you know, whatever. But sometimes we get orders like crazy orders where we're like, oh, we, we can't even be eligible. Like, and so we have had to issue credits, like immediately, like once the, the deadline passed and stuff. But generally speaking, it is like we're like, this is about what we would maybe have to pay if we had to order a few extra books to cover this other issue, if that makes sense. Some yeah, of them, yes. though, you know, I mean, some of them are flat out 1 in 25, 1 in 50, 1 in 100, 1 in 200. But some of them, Marvel has this, it's what everyone jokes about, Marvel math, and it is truly Marvel math. So Marvel has this whole other structure, in addition to the ratio variance, where they do a thing where they say, we want you to exceed by 100% your sales for this book um, over cable 42 that you bought four months ago or pre-ordered four months. I mean, it's like crazy stuff. Like sometimes it doesn't even make sense what they're having us exceed. And we take a really big, we have a really big problem with those because we're a big retailer, right? So we're constantly promoting Marvel. We're constantly trying to get our numbers up. And it's really easy for a retailer who orders five copies of something every month to order 100% more, right? You know, wow, you ordered 11 copies. It's still a lot. I'm not saying that. But if we have a 1,000 copies, and we do, of many books, they expect us to order 2,001? Like, that's, right. no. that's right. not how our business works. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of been a bone in contention with, uh, that we've had with Marvel for many years. And we've constantly brought that concern to, to their attention. Um, because it really kind of punishes the people who really are, are bringing the big numbers for them. And it rewards those who may not be really ordering that many items. How, how do the, um, like, I know a lot of times they'll do, like there'll be a DCBS variant for a book, right? Or like a Midtown Comics right. variant. How does that work? Like, do you do you reach out to them and say, "I'd like to have one of those"? Like, how does that work? Well, um, it depends on the the publisher. So, like DC will actually send out, uh, you know, they they have a weekly news channel that they send to the retailers. So, some they will basically say, "Hey, these are the books we're offering exclusive on." And honestly, they just started that in the last couple of years. Um, Image did the same thing years ago, and then um, somebody who worked for them came to me, and she's like, hey, you know, don't you think it'd be better if you did exclusives for, like, trades and hardcovers? And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, the minimums are kind of high because, you know, they're, they're a higher price point item. But it made more sense to us because we were like, that's an evergreen, evergreen product. It's much easier to sell an exclusive that's, like, the first issue of the trade paperback then the first issue of a book that, you know, may end after 12 issues or six issues or whatever, and then it's kind of hard to sell that. You'd have to sell that number one pretty quickly. So with Image, you can go to them, um, and we would do this. So we would go to them and say, like we did with East of West, right? Um, and that's when that all kind of started, which is, was, a, was the first exclusive we ever did with Image. And, um, and then it kind of blossomed from there. But we did East of West, and they just they go to the creators and they say, "Hey, are you okay with doing an exclusive?" And they and they say yes or no. 
and Brian K. Vaughn does not do exclusives. <laughs> so they they told us from the beginning, if you want to do a saga exclusive, too bad you're not they're not they're not going to do it because he's very like conscious of the, too many double dipping and not like he doesn't want to feel like he's gouging the market. I respect that. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I do too. And you know, yeah. um, so we were able to do East of West. We were we're hugely successful with the oversized hardcovers. Cameron, like, we realized that trays, eh, they were kind of successful, not like the oversized hardcovers. Um, the most successful exclusive we've ever had was Scotty's I Hate Fairyland Volume 1. We sold that in like a week. We were sold out. We were like, what the hell? Yeah, I'm stunned. <laughs> and I told Scotty he needed to reprint it really fast. Um, but Scott, Scotty was great because he, he sent a couple of covers for it. And I, I adore Scotty. He is darling, and I know you guys love Scotty, too. I don't know how anyone could not like Scotty, but he's just, he genuinely, every time I see him, he gives me a big hug. He's just a great guy, and he sends the, the covers for the I Hate Fairlane exclusive, and he, and, and uh, Jeff Singh, who was, who was the uh, retailer services person with Image, he emails me, he's like, which one do you want? And I was like, oh, that black cover is awesome. He's like, Scotty's so excited that he's going to be so excited because he loved that cover. He almost was mad that he didn't use it for himself, you know. And when we got it in, I mean, people just went nuts over it. And it was yeah. fantastic. Um, and I love it. Like, we do have a little leadway in those, like, where they'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And Rick is great, too. Like, Mateo and those Black Science ones. Oh, amazing. Um, you know, it, Image has been fantastic to work with on that i mean we just love doing the exclusive with those creators and and you know and then you kind of become friendly with them mm-hmm. because, you know just by virtue of, of doing the work with them awesome yep yeah it's so surprising that something scotty d- did would be very successful it's 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 unlike him <laughs> you know <laughs> I know the Merklers and Scotty Young partner together. Is there any way they couldn't make money? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know I tell you what, I just I could put him in my pocket. I tell you, I just love him. I got to see him at C two E two this year. He's too year, big to fit in your pocket. And but. <laughs> he is. He is. He's so tall. Um, no, I just I I adore him. He's just it, ironically, I hadn't met Scotty until a few years ago, and I get I'm not kidding you. I get on a plane coming out of San Diego. And um, I'm sitting there, and he sits down next to me. And I was like, I think that's Scotty Young. I'd never met him personally. And I looked at him, and I said, are you Scotty Young? He goes, yeah. I go, I'm Christina from GCBS. He goes, oh, my God. And he just gives me a big hug. <laughs> and we chatted the whole way. I suggested a movie to him, and, like, we were just fast friends. It's just it is how Scotty is anyway. But... It was only like a few years ago, maybe four years ago, San Diego. And we, you know, yeah, he's a great guy. I really no, like him. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. What, what say you boys? Any other, any other piercing questions about the inner workings of the comics industry for Christina while we have her? Oh, I'm the, the least person to ask those kind of questions. Because That's why I said boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm greedy. I'm, I'm selfish and, and lucky enough to, be a customer at DCBS and and live in an area where where it is actually a, a local shop. It's, I mean, the thing with me and, and the variants is they're not um, 
he's not charging more for the variants. So I usually the only time I do bother with a variant is if I like the cover more than the standard cover if if it's available. Otherwise, sure. I don't. I never go out of my way. Like even, but I'm also the type of person who I'd rather even when variants are offered. If I think it's cooler, I still tend to like like the Grendel Devil Odyssey. The, the the first variant I think was by it was either by Ba or Moon, but I doesn't. I it was a neat looking cover. And and granted, you guys right. offer the first issues generally at at a greater discount than than the variant, so that right. that also may lean towards my way of thinking. But I'd rather give give the um, I'd rather give the win to the guy who actually worked on the inside of the book. The cover may be cool, but I like it when the exterior artist is the same as the interior. But generally at the shop nearby, if if a variant's available and I think it looks neater then or just cleaner or it's it's a, a Spider-Gwen variant or anything that, that may just like like the recent Guardians of the Galaxy was a Declan Spider-Woman cover, which I thought looked a little neater than than the standard oh, cover yeah. to third issue. So um but yeah, I'm I'm never gonna go out of my way and pay more for um variant. I rarely double dipped. And the last time I, I, I double dipped was um and this is the only I think art germ I have in my collection is because the um the Harley and Ivy mini series. There was there was the Harley cover and the Poison Ivy cover and, and they yep. they bookend and my wife loved those covers. So I, I I bought them so she could have the covers. She's not gonna read the issue, but at least now she's got the covers and, and I can actually say there's some archer in my collection, but um, yeah. So I mean, and I, I definitely get the people who want to go crazy because there's even a guy when I'm at the shop, he'll he tends to he'll keep asking for the B covers, even if like there wasn't a a B cover that week. He just he goes in and he's like he's like okay, so what was the variant cover? And it's like dude, it's like they didn't they didn't make one. Mm-hmm. But if I don't even know if he's reading the plunge, but he's like hey, I'm getting get that I gotta get the variant cover. And I'm like all right, I mean there are it, it's I thought that kind of fan reader collector had kind of gone away. But I guess and he's an older gentleman, so I, I guess it's just it's 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 either a habit or he just he's he he wants he's a completist, but. Um, I know that, you know, that there are, there are a lot more, I mean, there were a ton of House of X and, and Powers of 10 variants on, on the rack when every week, when, when, when that series was coming out. And I was amazed at how many variants were out there. And I remember going through the DCBS portal and, and I clicking next because it was just one whole page of variants <laughs> yeah. for it. i'm like jesus christ so uh but no it's it's i it, like jason you know if, if if you are if that's if that's piccadillo if that's you know if 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 that's what keeps you connected to the hobby if if you love j scott campbell because danger girl was the first image mm-hmm. comic you read you know then then by all means then that's that's your thing you do you but yeah no i and i i'm i'm like you in that respect, Christine, where I'd rather just uh, it, it, the contents to King. I'd rather read the story. Right. I don't care what the rapper is. I I, I got to read the content. So, uh, and in that case, that's that's also where digital comes into play for me because if if it doesn't matter, I mean, yeah, there are some things where I'd rather have the actual physical. I mean, a, an absolute Watchman looks a hell of a lot better on my shelf than it does in Comicsology. But at least if you can still read the story, oh, yeah. then by all means, do what you got to do. But yeah, it's it's. 
I'm glad that there are so many different avenues that um, to get people into the hobby or keep them in the hobby. If if there are a lot of people who have to cut down on you know they they downsize, they downgrade, they 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 need space and and they just they have to move to digital. Our our boy Gil, he he's pretty much solely digital. He's still reading his books. He's still a fan. He still loves the stories and and the fact that he could still enjoy them in a different format. I I'm not going to. Um, say one way is better than the other by no means i mean you know comics has changed a lot because you know cameron and i'm not gonna tell his age but you, you'll be able to tell by <laughs> when i tell you what he, his, his first comic was like green lantern 90 right and it was on a spinner rack in a drugstore because the direct market really didn't exist mm-hmm. and the way that he determined what comic he was buying was by the cover, right? Right. So, but that's how comics were then. They're not like that now. Right. Art German's definitely an anomaly. My sister doesn't read a comic. She has worked for us for 20 years. She's read a couple, but, you know, like, she's not a comic reader. She has bought, like, two or three of the Art Germ covers because they're gorgeous, right? I mean, she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. There was Supergirl, I think, and then a Batgirl. And she was like, I, ha- I have to have these, like, just to have them. Mm-hmm. So I love, that th- I love that that's a thing, right? Yeah. So I don't, it's not that I don't like variant covers. It's, it's just that I don't like the proliferation. And as soon as they think their numbers aren't quite good, they add another cover to try to bump those numbers. That is what I don't like. And I have seen that happening a lot in the last year. I don't think it's good. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, like you said, as, as the important thing I wanted to get out of this is that it wasn't like a, you know, like a drag. Cause, cause I, I, you know, I mean, ultimately if people want it, want it and you can provide it and it's not like a negative Absolutely. for y'all, then that's yeah. cool. But, but yeah. So, yeah. well, listen, uh, ma'am, my lady, our friend, um, <laughs> first of all, it, thank you so much for 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 joining us, especially at a time right now where uh, you know I you have uh, you have conveyed a sense of calm and maturity that uh, probably belies the current uh, state of the industry. So I <laughs> I, I applaud you for that. Um, you know seriously because well, yeah and, and and you know I mean um, I don't want to speak for David and Vince, but I'll, I will. Um, you know we have very much appreciated your. Uh, continued and unending uh, support, not just as a sponsor of the show, which is nice, but but just I know you always say very kind things to creators and people at cons about us, and and it, it's it's uh, sure. it, it's it's always been very much appreciated, Absolutely. and uh, you know, and and it, it means a lot. So, um, you know, for everyone listening, please make sure if you are already a DCBS customer that you avail yourselves of the sale uh, starting tomorrow, well, or today if it's the third that you're listening to for the next week in stock the in stock tab um and uh you know you are always welcome uh we certainly don't have to wait another decade for you to come back on by all means absolutely yeah anytime guys and really i do i appreciate it i appreciate you guys always saying how great we are and uh how much you love us and we love you and we love everybody um i i've said this before but many customers don't think that I know them, but I know them by name. I do all of the invoicing. Every single invoice that gets closed gets closed by me. Um, so I may not know your face, but 
I know your name, and I have an image of you in my head. And um, <laughs> especially and I, based on what you bought. And I, yeah, no, really, I appreciate every one of you, whether you spend twenty dollars or two thousand dollars. And believe me, there there is a gamut. Like you know, we do have the twenty dollars customers, and we have four thousand dollars customers. We, we call the four thousand dollars customer um, the Bob Retail customer, right? That's what, that's what we call him. I I am shocked. I, I we joke, and actually, one one of our our largest customer has been to the warehouse even. Um, and I and I joke that I and I just think, wow, that's what you do for a living. Okay, okay. Well, I'm just. I guess I'm not in the right business. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So nice. to each his own. I will always say that. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cheers to you, and uh, I know we'll be in touch uh, behind the scenes, and let us know if there's anything more we can do as uh, as the next few weeks and months unfold, because I'm sure things will be changing at rapid pace, hopefully for oh, the yeah. better, but uh, either way, just let us know if there's anything we can do to even just make sure that everybody understands, you know, and, and make sure the messaging stays on point, because the one thing I think we're, we're seeing during this crisis is that... Uh, you know, the velocity of information these days is so fast that it's just impossible oh, for yeah. the average person to know what's real information, what's what's BS, and, and that expands to everything from, you know, major things like the health crisis to what's going on in the comics. So, yeah, just, you know, anytime you feel like sure. you just need to make sure that the record needs to be set straight, you know, we're always happy to do that for you. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. All right. Well, go ahead and, and try and relax, and uh, the if weekend is almost back. upon us. So. You guys, too, and you take care, and I wish all your families, family stay safe and healthy. Yeah, same you to you. Too. Same to you, Christine. Thank Thanks you. for coming on. All right. Have a great night. Uh-huh. Night, of course. You, too. Okay. Bye-bye. Nice. She loves us. She loves her customers. You know who we don't love? That bitch, Carol Baskin. That's who we don't love. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for it. Oh man! Oh my goodness! It, it's good to hear some positivity, especially from a person that has every reason to not be positive about the the things that are going on right now. I mean, yeah. she's at the nexus, and you gotta imagine it's it's probably very turbulent, very crazy, but you would never be able to tell by the by her voice. She's probably no, an, an awesome poker player. There. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, no, you know what I mean? Because she's very calm. Making lemonade out of all this. I mean, the sale this week, next week, into the week is is, is a great idea. It lets people still... I mean, they're they're getting rid of their inventory, and which they were probably going to plan on doing anyway. And, and they're offering it at a discount. So at a time when people... Um, may need to tighten their belts or really weren't looking to or figuring out, you know, when they were going to maybe get something. Um, now they're, they're able to, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it win win, but yeah, it, it's, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't think to ask her when at the time, but you know, I don't know what the warehouse is like as far as, you know, with the social distancing and how many, how, cause in my office, they really only want like one person in at a time if anybody has to be there. So I don't know what it would be like at the warehouse. But, um, you know, it, since it's not a brick and mortar store, you don't have to worry about customers coming in. And, and that can probably help as well. I don't. I, it, it sounds as though they're they're deemed a, um, an essential business down there. So that's um, that's a benefit in that regard. But, yeah, no, she's it's it's you're right, Vince. It, it's nice to hear. um 
because it'd be very easy for people to 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 be beaten and 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 sound down and and just not so optimistic about things and yeah and, and well she, the, she definitely was the bigger you are the more crushing the pressure That's and true too. it doesn't get much bigger right so that's right she's weathering it very well i i, I wish her and everybody down there the, the best of luck i mean i'm sure Absolutely. she's gonna come out on top it is christina and dcbs so and I didn't do the, the, the promo. I had the person. He, I, 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 was I, was like, I was like, and who's this episode sponsored Oh, my God. I, well, I guess her, her very presence is promo enough, right? But <laughs> That's facts. Yeah. yeah but I, I'm thinking, now I'm like, whoa. We did the drink roll call, and I was like, wait. I could have, we could have tag teamed on it. And she could have said the DC. Oh, oh yeah. You blew it. I did blow it. But uh, you know what? We're, we're not going to blow the rest of it. So, uh <laughs> Uh, it, if you would like to get your books, get them fast, get them delivered mm-hmm. right to your door, where do you go? Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. They have everything in the previews catalog at a fraction of the price, and you get it delivered right to the very, uh, hopefully, beautifully painted door of your domicile. Ding dong, your books are here. And remember, starting what will be today, because you're all going to hear this on a Friday probably, uh, dcbservice.com are having a massive sale on thousands of items already discounted now you're going to get what is it 10 to 20 percent more discount 20 percent on single issues 10 percent on trades and hardcovers it's insane um so let's all work together and maybe you know you don't have an opportunity to get to a comic shop maybe you're not a discount comic book uh service subscriber this may be a very good instance to try it out because you're going to get trades damn cheaper than you can get from Amazon. Yeah, that's true. So that's help true. them out. Um, you know who I feel sorry for, though, are the people who are listeners who were like, oh, I'm three or four episodes behind. And it's like, well, and they hear this. They hear this in May and be like, oh, I guess I missed that sale. Well, well it's a, they it's could a, always just put this to the head of the queue, right, and just take a listen. And They a, could. Yeah, It's a right. good, good uh, reason for you to get caught up. It is absolutely. Yeah. There's no excuse. You got nothing else to do right now, right? right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I understand. I mean, we've I've seen it in in, in the Slack where a couple people are like, "Well, I don't have a commute anymore, so I'm not listening as much." It's like, I I I I hear you, but you're still. I got to be honest, though. I mean, I definitely I I feel that. Like I, as you, I mean, I listen to way more podcasts than than YouTube do, as you yes, know. Yes, you do. And I haven't listened to. I've listened to maybe two hours of podcasts in the last week, just for that very reason. I, I right. It's it would just so. My normal routine was leave the house at 10 of 7, put a podcast on, listen to a podcast the entirety of my commute, you know, uh, and then flip it and do it again on the way home. So between three and four hours of podcasts listening every day of the work week. So, I mean, I'm down 18, 20 hours a week of podcasts right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, it helps that a lot of the podcasts I listen to are sports related and there are no sports right now so it's not that's like true really yeah much. that's right yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so no that was great i'm glad we had her on you know i, I don't 
I never know when we do a, an odd off issue like episode where in this case it was effectively a, a business episode. I, I'm sure that means that for some it'll be one of their favorites ever, and for a lot it'll be like why did for Raph this episode? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, you know, I'll, what I'll preemptively say to people: Listen, if you've been around long enough, you know that we 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 run we 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 are beholden to no to no uh, pattern, and uh, and if if this one was your floated your boat, awesome, and if it wasn't the kind of conversation that floats your boat, you know that you know. You're a couple days away from us talking about something that probably lights your fire. Yep. It's right, like Vince? it's like space socialist Mr. Spock said. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. There you go. Look so at that. If, if you weren't grooving on this, uh, there was probably a whole bunch of people who were and who would take comfort in the words of uh, Ms. Merkler. So, yeah. 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 Uh, in your travels. Oh. Yeah. Keep yeah. it keep it tight and right. Let's do it. I talked about this man's two uh, books from this man recently, both uh, Vague Tales and Compulsive Comics. Mr. Eric Haven, uh, out of Fanographics, he has a new one, and it's called Cryptoid. And it has, I've never seen this on a Fanographics book before, The there is a spot varnish overlay on the text for cryptoid and it's textured it's not a uh, shiny it actually has a tactile quality to it it's dimpled and and it feels very strange and i have never seen a textured spot varnish on a fanographics book before maybe you know it's just the ones i did i didn't buy them but it, there it is and it's nuts so uh but it is a hardcover for 20 bucks uh, the cover star is a man who is half human, half Ankylosaurus. Okay. And you know what his name is? Manklosaurus. <laughs> 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 and, nice. and because he's a herbivore, he has to eat 130 pounds of greens per day just to stay alive. Goddamn. So uh, he's part dinosaur. And dinosaurs, dinosaurs make uh, very distinctive noises. So while he sleeps, he snores. And he, he snores like Godzilla. <laughs> Screeonk! And uh, in, the middle, uh, in the middle of the night, he, he, his snoring wakes up a bat. And then we get two pages of unknown bats that live among us. And there's an ant bat, a hand bat. An eyeball bat. There, there's a Batman-faced bat. <laughs> so you get like a National Geographic type spread with all these many diverse uh, species of bat. There's a star-nosed, mole-nosed bat, uh, a flightless, running, shrieking bat, and in typical um, Eric Haven style, the last thing in the two-page uh, spread of bats, this flightless, running, shrieking bat actually runs its way into the narrative when the sequentials start back up. So um, if you want to read some absurd, funny as hell, bizarre, left-field comics, I would run right out and get this cryptoid. It's amazing. Um, more often than not, Mr. Haven hasn't really thrown his hat into the political commentary ring. 
But this one changes that. Because there is a character called the Resistor. And it's an anthropomorphic eagle, a female eagle, that has Captain America's old shield on her chest. Um, and she does not like our current president. In fact, she vomits in his face. Uh, Bannon makes an appearance, and he's a... Oh, I don't even know what to say he is. He is a creature from the murky depths of the sea. He has tentacles and a vagina mouth, and he's disgusting. And he keep, he tells Trump to keep tweeting, Knave. And Trump says, yes, my dark lord. And the uh, resistor bur- busts into the White House, punches Bannon into a sewer, and vomits on Trump's face. So if this is music to your ears... Uh, I yeah, it's it's totally absurd. There there's a, a character in here called the Night Sword. He has a sword and he operates at night. <laughs> wow! And he There's yeah, and he likes to pose. Posing is his thing. So I loved every every page of this book. But like I said, I mean, you could probably tell that I love Eric Haven because the last two times I talked about him, this is more of the same. It's amazing, amazing stuff. Um, it's a very quick read. It'll take you about. I mean, if you're if you're solely going by the 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 text, it'll take you about fifteen minutes to read this book. But if you are an, an aficionado of art, then you will linger on this for much longer because um, <laughs> there's a robot in here straight out of Logan's Run called Box, and Box goes mm. shopping. He needs fish and plankton and protein from the sea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this thing. Go get it. Cryptoid by Eric Haven. It's a it's an absurdist masterpiece. Good lord. Yeah. Uh I guess next time we'll uh tag team on some now. Uh but in your travels I I, I did some catching up, but I will go with um Grendel Devil's Odyssey. It's already mentioned it tonight. Um issues three and four four specifically since um it kind of it it concludes the story that uh started in the third issue uh with yet another planet that uh our friendly cyborg is uh, is searching for 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 humanity's sake uh and we get a little bit of the origin um of of prime and and how he was kind of uh taken apart and put back together um which i i don't really recall anything being shown like that in as much detail but uh he he has to um overcome a, a situation on this planet and then they um and they find out that this planet really isn't ideal uh for humanity, but uh, the next issue, issue five, looks like it um, jumps ahead um, a couple of years. So we're we're at the halfway point in this miniseries. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna be sad when when it's over, but um, it's uh, it's still it's still fantastic by uh, by Matt and his son Brendan, and there is a pretty cool flip of a uh, of a pinup. In the back of the fourth issue, where it's the cover from um, the first Batman Grendel crossover, where it's uh, Grendel 
uh, Christine Spar and Batwoman in in the same poses. It looks pretty cool. But yeah, uh, in your travels, Grendel, Devil's Odyssey. Uh, you can get the first four issues from DCBS probably next week at a discount. And um, wait for uh, the fifth like the rest of us. Right on. Vince, I have a book that I almost feel bad that I'm the one talking about it, and it's not in your hands for you to talk about. Okay. What if I were to tell you that I have a book that it's a beautiful hardcover anthology, mm. Mm. spot varnish logo on the front, okay. spot varnish main character also on the front, by cover drawn by Dustin Weaver. Okay. Then I'm going to tell you some of the creators involved. All right. Ready? Okay. Marion Churchland. Mm-hmm. Ex-wife of Brandon Graham. Yep. Alchemical, as in alchemical. Ah. Cassie Hart. The aforementioned Brandon Graham. Farrell Dalrymple. Philia Bertukin. Aaron Conley. Dustin Weaver. Francois Vigneault, Pablo Clark. Sound hmm. like your kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to draw the uh, connect the dots here. The, the uh, coincident part of the creative team is the creator uh, and the writer, Shannon Lentz. This is K-Rail's Ring. Uh, it is a. It's published by a Wave Blue World. Oh, and I should have mentioned on the back the two endorsements are by Darcy von Poolgeist and Johnny Christmas. Jesus, mm. where the hell did you get this? From Discount Comic Book Service, I pre-ordered it. Um, I'm just going to read you the, the quick synopsis. Who was the publisher? A Wave Blue World. Huh. I totally blanked on this. Humanity colonized the distant galaxy K-Rail's ring a thousand years ago, but they're only now beginning to discover its secrets. After learning that the tech he invented to help further mankind's exploration has caused an unforeseen wave of danger and death, elderly scientist Jamich Taley orders a planet-wide evacuation, leading to the loss of his daughter. Decades later, he embarks on a desperate search for his long-lost granddaughter, Nela. This personal mission sets in motion a galaxy-spanning adventure, Weaving stories of human conquest, ingenuity, loss, and love from across K-Rail's ring. So, uh, Shannon Lentz came up with this idea. Um, she wanted to tell a story of uh, this grandfather on search for for Nela, the granddaughter, and her life. She wanted to do a space epic, but focused on average people. People that weren't in positions of power and weren't particularly heroic. Just people that had lives to live in in this kind of setting and she began talking to friends in the industry and next thing she knew she got people like Dalrymple and Brandon Graham and Marion and 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 the like to uh, chip in and it ultimately ended up being 17 chapters she published it at least she published the first half of it in comic form through three issues through Kickstarter um, and I never knew these existed, so I missed these Kickstarters completely because I wasn't paying attention to Kickstarter for a while. Um, and then I guess hooked up with this publisher to do this form. And this is this, you know, if you just pulled this off the shelf, didn't know anything about the creators and read it, you would just feel like this is one of those 
litany of Bond dessinée French graphic novels from the 70s or 80s or 90s that have been brought over finally and ported into English. And you would think nothing of it. But this is in English, in English, for English. Um, the art, I mean, for those of you that don't know, these a lot of these artists have a very similar aesthetic. Uh, if you are familiar with Brandon's work or Simon's work or if you've, if you've uh, read Pro- Profit when we talked about it, this is in that it's the same kind of setting, same kind of visual aesthetic. Um, of course, I don't need to tell you all my love of Aaron Conley. Um, it's absolutely amazing. It really is. It's, 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 it's so, so well executed. The book starts with a woman walking through a desert, looking for food with her baby on her chest. And 17 chapters later, it ends with a woman walking through a desert, looking for food with the baby on her chest. But what happens in between in those 17 chapters is a litany of different, uh, motifs, pacing, um, some are sad, some are happy, some are funny, um, but they all do follow a general narrative. There is some time shifting, but it is generally about this scientist who created a artificial intelligence. I shouldn't say that. Um, he is the steward of an artificial intelligence that's essentially a planet, a supercomputer planet. And at this point, he's at least the third generation of caretakers uh, for this artificial intelligence. It may be longer, but he just he references his grandfather having done it, too. Um, and this supercomputer, I guess, was meant to help figure out where humanity could go to colonize and had been doing that again for generations. But it's clear at this point that something is going wrong. The as the AI grows, its recommendations become so uh, hard to decipher that uh, it's leading to poor decisions. It's leading to colonizations of planets that they shouldn't, leading to death, mayhem. And, and it's not just humans, by the way. It's, it's other species as well at this point. So they ultimately decide to pull the plug on the uh, on the planet. But listen, if you have a centuries-year-old planet-sized supercomputer, uh, do you think it's just going to let you pull the plug on it? Of course not. So um, that's kind of the underpinning, and it's a little bit like a Kryptonian thing where they have to escape, get off the planet, but not everyone escapes, and it ultimately is about this leader of these scientists getting off the planet many years later trying to find his daughter and then his granddaughter. And, and you get little pieces of their journeys through their lives and what happened to them and where they are now. It's just it's, – it's such an auspicious endeavor, and um, you, know, you, you kind of – you took the punchline away from me. You, you didn't even know it existed had missed it completely in the solicits. And this is what I'm talking about. Like this gets back to what we've been saying a lot on the Slack. And, and like we said with Christine at the beginning of the conversation, I can't tell you that the comics business as we know it is going to be that way in three months or six months, but we can definitely say that there are going to be amazing comics being created to find an audience some way, somewhere. And like, here's a book that I'm betting probably didn't sell a thousand copies through diamond. I'd be shocked if it sold 500, but it should have sold 10,000. It's awesome. Again, if you're a fan of any of those artists, if you're a fan of sci-fi, of anthologies, of The Prophet, or of any like the, the Mobius stuff, any of those kinds of big sci-fi worlds, uh, this is perfect for you. So pick it up. Again, it's called K-Rell's Ring, C-A-Y-R-E-L-S, Ring, and publisher is A Wave Blue World. So it's, it's awesome. It's 130 pages and it's $25 cover price. So I assume 
probably like $15 through InStock would be my guess. Sounds really good. Dude, it's right up your alley. If you don't buy it and read it by the time I see you next, who knows when that's going to be. Seriously. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have a copy and read it. Heroes 2021. Well, you, you just made an argument NYCC? for me. You just made an argument for me not reading it. Uh, why would I want to read it if you're going to give me no, a copy? because this is the kind of thing that more you should buy a copy because... All right, just threaten me with violence if I don't read Shannon it. Shannon Lentz deserves more buyers. Well, then, yeah. So say, hey, if you don't read this by the next time I see him, I'm going to punch you in the face. And they'll be like, well, I don't okay. want to get punched in the face. I'm a lover, not a fighter, though. It's true. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you once again for being here with us. Do not forget today... Shimmy on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, and get yourself in on that sale. It's only going to be around for a week, and all the good stuff are probably in very short supply. So you want to get your tookuses in that door first, get all the good stuff, and leave the, the remainder for the guys who really don't care, which is not you, because you're smart. If you want to join us, contribute to the EOC family in a way that's not filling your ears with stuff come to instagram reddit uh twitter and uh facebook we're on there and check out our patreon patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics we'd love to have you in the meantime get my big old coffee cup over here so i get mm-hmm. something to bang on say good night it's a really big cup it's <laughs> a shit sound oh wait 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 i got a yeti Hang on. <sighs> Jesus. David. Mm, nice. I almost did, did the Neil Peart thing. I was going to slap myself in the face. No one else should do the Neil Peart thing. Hey, good night. Oh, now you're starting now. I didn't <sighs> say good night. Is this so. part of it? Yeah, this is still a part of it. We're good. All Don't right. worry. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have. I don't have a coffee mug. I'm just sitting here tapping my goddamn David. My goddamn David. Is that what you call your little right. thing there? Hey. Well, not that little, but tapping on my bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> By the way, not to bring us down, but I just saw the news. Rest in peace, Mister Juan Jimenez. Yeah. What? Yeah. COVID. Coronavirus yep. took him. No shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mario posted it. Yeah, I didn't mean to break down, sorry, but I wanted to get in the shout out since, you know, it just happened and he's worthy of a shout out at the very least. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh, speaking of shout outs. No, um, no way. Now you Am I being stupid? You're you're talking about um Meta Barons. Oh my god. Yeah. Holy shit! This yeah, is crazy. Um, I, I I did I, a, a very neat little tidy envelope arrived the other day uh, with my Atomic Hercules. Yes, thank you. Yes, actually, I had it sitting here. I want that was my yes. Thank you. Uh, with the awesome well. uh, Ken Landgraf cover, uh, the variant cover, and a very awesome uh, sketch from Adam. Uh, thanks for the support, Dap. By TNA uh, with a battle damaged Spoderman. And I love it. Reddit loved it, was hoping yes. to talk about it on the show. Oh, well, it's bad this is the final show ever. Yeah, I was going to say I haven't read it yet, so let's talk. We're, we need to talk about that next episode, and we need to talk about 
um, X-ray robot. Yes. Yes. There's much dick play in Atomic Hercules. Oh, right. There's a lot of dick play in it. Like across the room, impalement dick play. Mm. It's nice. And uh, since people seemingly are in constant search now of things to watch, uh, Geek Culture, someone posted a link to our group, but Geek Culture has a list of 80s cartoons that you can stream for free on Mm. the interwebs, including... He-Man, She-Ra, G.I. Joe, Brave Star, Wow, Mask, Silverhawks. What about Bionic Six? No Silverhawks. Damn it! Adventures of Galaxy Rangers, uh, the original Ghostbusters. No, no Silverhawks. Sorry, Bionic Six. Nope. Damn it! See, you know what? If if the Toho channel that's going to start up on YouTube, if they were smart, they would have push their thing ahead because i don't know if it started yet but there's going to be a youtube channel specifically dedicated i said toho i mean toey uh to the the uh shows like common rider and like the vintage uh sentai and tokusatsu stuff they're making mm-hmm. a a youtube channel to check all that stuff out episodes in their entirety and i don't know if it's i don't think it started yet but it was supposed to start soon but what i was saying is if it didn't start yet they should get up off their asses and start it ahead of schedule so people can have something to do yeah i don't believe it started yet show you right it's called toei tokusatsu world official and there's nothing on it yet the bastards Jason, there's uh, the, the Voltez. Uh, the stuff you want to see is going to be on here. The vintage, uh, yeah, vintage giant robot shows are going to be on here too. Oh, sweet! Yeah, and you can watch it for nothing. I already subscribed to it on YouTube. So if they have eighteen point eight thousand subscribers and not a single video on the channel, so people are very interested in this. It's called Toei Tokusatsu World Official. Go subscribe. Space Sheriff Gavan's on there. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I totally stepped all over you, didn't I? Jason. No. No. Are you sure? Yeah, no. I, I. That was it, man. I just wanted to say those shows were out there. So. Yeah. By the way, interestingly enough that you say this, though, because the interstitial in this article, now that I've clicked through it, the, the read also is original Japanese tokusatsu shows will be released on YouTube for free with think of subtitles. Bada boom. Bam. Synchronicity. 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 Right. Have you watched a lot of that, like in, in Japanese? Oh, shit, yeah. I have I have uh, t- uh, stacks of DVDs, fan-supplied, um, that have been like uh, fan subbed, and uh, I love them. I love those shows. I, I every time I find like a a gray market common rider disc, even if I have the episodes on it, and I don't have the cover. I buy it anyway because mm-hmm. I I love them. Yeah. So did you say what day it launches, or did you not know? I don't know. I, I'm surprised. I'm subscribed to it, so when it launches, I'm sure I'll get a notification. April sixth. Oh, that's close. That is close. It says Monday, April 6th, episodes 1 and 2 of all 70 shows will air. <gasps> then episodes 3 and 4 of National Kid will be on Monday the 13th. 3 and 4 of Suki Suki Maho Sensei. Oh, he, 
the next day, three and four of Robot 8chan. The next day, three and four of Space Cop Gavin. Yeah. Then comes Jaspion and Hard Gumi. Then Magical Girl Chukana Pai Pai and Wind Spectator. Spectre? Wind Spectre? Then Combatler 5. <gasps> Dude, you got to see Combatler uh, LV5, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Boom. I can't wait. So I'm already addicted to the YouTube. Now it's going to be even worse. I don't even watch normal TV aside from Netflix. I just watch mm. YouTube all the time. Yeah, apparently that's the way to go. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. I hope you learned something. I hope you feel a little bit better about the situation. Uh, we're all in the same boat. Well, not all the same boat. The creators and the and the people that actually uh, sustain themselves from comics are not. They're they're in a bit more dire straits than than we. But still, uh, just. Help out any way you can. Buy some OA or get a, an artist to commission uh, something for you and uh, just spread it around because it's like it's a it's a really weird time. Nobody knows what's up. This is uncharted territory. So uh, do the unexpected and uh, get out there and, and help out any way you can. Uh, yeah. In the meantime, we'll be back next time. So tell them you love them and all that stuff. Love you and all that stuff. Indeed. <laughs>